What is up, uh, my man? Brian, we've been playing lots of video games. Have we? Recently. I feel like we have. I've been... Well, I've probably played more than I have in uh, the last few months. I would be in the same boat. Yeah. Oy vey. Oy vey. Is, so it we're... Is it a problem if my hand won't stop twitching all day? Yep. Uh-oh, I'm dying. How old are you? Too old. Yep. Too young to die, though. That's... I don't know. What have you been playing? Okay. So, the last time we talked, I mentioned it a little bit in a previous episode. The big things were Final Fantasy and then Halo. Ooh, yeah. I am... Okay, I'll be honest. I haven't played Final Fantasy in a couple weeks. Shan't tell a lie. It's hard, man. It's a commitment. Those cutscenes are a commitment. Alright? They sure are. Um... I'm a little heartbroken. Um, but I like. I, I'm fine. I'll live. Yeah. I. I'm not gonna. I like. I'm, I have no intention of stopping. Mm-hmm. Um, but an old an old fling has come back. Uh, and reignited. Uh-oh. But we'll get to that in a second. Halo. Halo's the other way around. Halo has been forever. Forever beside me. When I've been feeling down, or I've been feeling too good, and it needs to pull me down itself. Wow, it's the it's equalizer. A great, it's the great equalizer. This too shall pass. <laughs> that is the that is Halo. Um, I I put Halo down the other week with no intention of picking it back up. Ah. Uh, and I am very track, disappointed. Man. Yes. If I was a different type of human being, I wouldn't have to do this. But unfortunately, I live a life of extremes, and I mentally cannot be, like, balanced and just play every once in a while for, like, three or four games. does not work Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Either I play it not at all, or I play it enough to be competitive with it. Yeah. That's tough, and man. In middle school, that was fine. Because in middle school, nothing else matters. <laughs> There's nothing else to do during the day. And as long as you convinced enough friends that this was the important thing to do, then there was there was no drawback. Um no longer am I in a place where I can spend six hours a day playing Halo. Oh, man. So, and, uh, yeah. So, it's very, it's very simple. I am busy now. Uh, there are more things that I want to spend time with that uh, I want to do more than, uh, more than Halo. So, put it down. I played, that was probably one of the, that was, that was like the first, I mean, that was the Xbox game back in the day. That was what yep. it was, that was what it was known for. Yep. That was what, that was, that carried the Xbox for a little bit. Yeah. Um, which is funny that 
Sony now owns Bungie. Yeah, yeah, that is. Ah, oh man, I didn't even think about that. That is. Yeah. That's kind Mike, of. That's like some Twilight Zone bizarreness, man. Um, Microsoft also just recently bought something that Sony used to own. Something I don't know. I can't remember which. What uh, is I with can... this? I don't know yeah. about this one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Here, let me see if I can type in a special keyword like Microsoft buys old Sony throwback. You think that's gonna give me what I want? Oh man, that's quite specific. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, this is exactly what I need. So Sony, and you'll have to tell me because I don't know. <laughs> um. So Sony buys Bungie. Yep. Big deal. Yeah. Big symbol. Big symbolical deal. Mm-hmm. Um. Microsoft purchased Crash Bandicoot. Bandicoot. Does that have? Wow. Any, does that have any significance to you? Um, I, I play, so when I got a PS1 for Christmas, the game that I got was Crash Bash. Oh, okay. Sony's answer to Mario Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was like dollar store Mario Party. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's the only Crash Bandicoot game that I played. But that was, I believe that was developed by Sony and Insomniac. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's like a, I mean, if Sony buying Bungie was a slap to Microsoft, this was a full-on deck to the face. That I mean, because Crash Bandicoot was one of, like, Sony's poster boys. Yeah. Well, and that's what, it, I mean, the Master Chief was, like, the poster boy for the xbox but did microsoft ever own bungie um did microsoft ever own any part of halo or bungie because like sony owned crash bandicoot bungie yes microsoft did own part of halo yeah microsoft acquired bungie in 2000 Ah. and combat evolved was repurposed as a launch title for Microsoft's Xbox console. I see. Okay. Yeah. So they apparently so they, go. Microsoft owned them from 2000 to 2007. Which when did, when did Halo Three come out? Halo Three release dates. Yep, 2007. Wow. So there you go. Wow. Uh. So yeah, pretty pretty similar. Master Chief was the poster boy. Yeah. I mean, and it was truly. I mean, I don't know if Gears of War was a was a Xbox ex- exclusive. I think it was. Um, because that that was pretty popular as well. But yeah, Master Chief was yeah like the marketing. Well, yeah, everybody knew, right? Even though yeah. who's Halo? Who does who owns Halo now? Because it's not Bungie. Uh, three forty three or three four three Industries. Hmm. They they acquired it. Um, I think Halo Four may have been their first one, either mm-hmm. Halo Four or Halo Five. Yeah. Everybody hated Halo Four, so not a good start. Ah, dang. 
but they did a fantastic job with the Master Chief collection, and nobody nobody can say any different. Yeah, basically pulling pulling one, two, three, and Reach all into one, all into like a comprehensive multiplayer where you just you could have, you had a single matchmaking and you like one game you'd be playing a Halo one game and then the other game you'd be playing a Halo four game. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's a uh, yeah. It was too I've, bad that it was completely broken when it released. Otherwise, uh, it would have been more popular. Dang it! Yeah, that'll that'll get you. Um, and I think Microsoft <laughs> might own three forty three. I wouldn't even be surprised at this point. Um. Yep. So. Huh. So Microsoft still owns. So Microsoft always owned the Halo franchise. Uh-huh. So Bungie had the project until 2007, and then 343 took over the project at that time. I see. So there you go. Wow. I played, I played the missions, the campaign missions from Halo 1 and Halo 2 repeatedly so many times. Yeah. Because I don't know what it was about that. Like, just, I don't know, when, when I'm younger... The brain is like molding. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I, I just remember being so much more okay with just playing the same thing over and over again. Yep. And that's what those Halo games, and then like a super old Call of Duty game, I would play the campaign mm. on that, and I would just do it over and over again, and never got tired of it. Yep. Wish that was the case now. <laughs> but yeah, Call Call of Duty was the all console one. Yep. Back in the day. And then Medal Halo. Did you ever play Medal of Honor? Um, I did. That was the that was the PS2. That was the PS2 two one? Yeah. Um, yeah, so Medal of Honor had was the PlayStation. Call of Duty was everybody, and then Halo was the the prim boy Xbox. Xbox One. So And now we have everything. Everything all the time, always. Everything all the time, always. I think Call of Duty is taking a break this year. Maybe that's Assassin's Creed. I think Assassin's Creed is taking a break this year and not releasing a new a new game. Um, I think I saw that Valhalla just got like a big update, like a big huge DLC update. Maybe that was their thing. I Maybe don't I don't. I don't know. I was like really into Assassin's Creed for like two months a while ago because I bought Origins. You were playing Origins, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Did you burn out? I did. Yeah. I did. I, it's very I, hard not to do that in an Assassin's Creed game. Yeah, it's there's so much like story stuff. Well, the, no, that's false. There's actually not a ton of story stuff. There's a ton yeah. Of open world Outside. exploration yeah. stuff. Yeah. And that was what I got burnt out on. Like, my little brother. That's exactly what happens to game. me. He got 100% on everything in that game. Yeah. And I was like, I just want to get through the story. Because, yep. like, there was a point where, like, once you get so much gear, there's, like, there's no, oh, geez, I peaked so hard right there. I didn't even know what I did. Nice. Thank you for that. There comes there came a point in Origins where like 
once you had enough gear, there wasn't any point, like, getting better gear or more gear. It was just, I don't know. And so I, I had the stuff to beat the game, and I beat the game, and then I just, yeah. I played a little bit of the DLCs. That was cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you beat the main storyline, I wouldn't say that you got bribed. You held through. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get the platinum trophy. I didn't platinum the game, so I burned out that way. But yeah, I did. I forged through it to you know complete the story, which was a great I story, mean, by the way. I thought it was fine. Yeah, I mean, I've never. In the way that you would describe, in the way that platinum is used, I've never quote unquote platinum Skyrim. Oh wow, really? No. There's a guy I watched a video the other day, um, and I don't know if he used a mod or like if he had to if he had to do mods or something because Skyrim is a very imperfect game. So I'd be very surprised if he could, if he was able to do this naturally. Mm-hmm. But on the map, there's all these random locations, and you can, I should just, I, I don't know why I have our video feed all the way on the other monitor. It looks like I'm, like, looking away from you every time I'm talking. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, you have all these random locations, like you have a cave or something. So the cave shows up on the mini-map. When you clear that cave, it will say, you know, Wolf Skull Cave under that it'll say cleared and on the map it'll say if it's cleared or not and if you enter the cave it'll tell you wolf skull cave and it'll say it's cleared uh-huh. um and then when you're heading out of the cave it'll just say skyrim basically meaning you're heading outside right so this guy was able to i've never seen this before he completed the game to the point that he was leaving a cave and it said skyrim and then under that it said cleared whoa and i was like bro <laughs> that's that's hardcore man that's a that's um, a lot man yeah but i've never i mean i've never even gotten i've never gotten close to that yeah it's i mean i think that's just the nature of, a, of an open world um game so yeah i would not at all say that you burned out if you finished the main story of an open world game well cool I did burn out um, on Assassin's Creed Unity, though. I just couldn't be bothered, man. Yeah, it's like, hard. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. The game that I realized and then just couldn't, like, it was the beginning of the end, was Syndicate. Oh, um, really? Assassin's Creed Syndicate. That was, like, the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, yeah. I never played that one, but you didn't like it? I tried so many times, and every time I would get hooked on 100%ing the game. Yeah. And I only made it like 30% of the way through each time. Uh, yeah. I still, I think the Ezio, the Ezio collection. Uh-huh. The, okay, Assassin's Creed 1. Yeah. The Ezio collection. Yep. And Black Flag uh-huh. are the only Assassin's Creeds I've finished. I've played every single one. Really? Yeah. I think 
I think I may have finished the third one, but I have absolutely no memory of what happens at the end. Mm. So I don't I don't count that. Uh, that's my favorite Assassin's Creed game. And yes, it's pretty much only because it's about the American Revolution. Yeah. Well, Assassin's Creed 3 brought in the hunting mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. And that was and so I think, fun. Yeah. I think it was also the first one to have free running include like uh, nature. It's mm-hmm. like you could, the trees and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So two big things happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. I still, my favorite mechanic of all time was the black flag, like sending the ships out mm-hmm. and having like the, the, the Navy basically. Um, and building that empire. And the, but I think it was in Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. So the second of the Ezio collection. Yeah. And you could very similarly you could you could like create this like regime of assassins and send them on missions and um, that was sick. I loved that. Yeah, I was so into it. Yeah, there was something similar in three that I really got hooked on. It was like a whole economy simulator because you had like your yeah, you, house. You had your homestead. On a, yeah, on a yeah in the frontier and you homesteaded it and like. And you would just, like, give out plots of land to, like, a blacksmith, a hunter, yeah. uh, some some dudes that worked a mill. And, like, that's how you got all your crafting supplies. And you'd do yeah. trade. And you'd send them on trade missions. And you, like, you built this whole economy thing. And I got so hooked on that. And the hunting and everything. I think, um, I think Syndicate had... Something with like you could get well in one of the in one of the Brotherhood games as well, I think in just straight up Assassin's Creed two. So the first the first of the series. You could buy that was the first one where you could like buy properties. Mm-hmm. Um, which is I mean, that's not anything unnatural these days, but back then, like there weren't a ton of games that had done something like that yet. Right. And I was into it, and so all of those side projects, like I'm always, I'm always down. There's not a whole ton that I haven't been into. I think Syndicate, like you could, um, you could have your gang, and you could have like the bars and the fr- like the businesses that your gang was working out of. Um, and I love that. And someday that I, someday I will have something like that reflected in D and D. Because I'm addicted I, to that concept. I, I thought you were just talking about you'll have a, a network of gangs and bars around Idaho Falls that just like <laughs> you have under your thumb. I mean, hey, <laughs> let's not jump. Let's not jump into areas out of our control. <laughs> if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. I guess that's true. Uh, so I haven't been playing a lot of Final Fantasy. I dropped Halo. Um, on miss, on miss, the topic miss. of Halo, yeah. I have a friend at work who um, I would say is more obsessed with Halo than you are. Okay. Um, I, should, other, I would hope so now. And the other... As... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Generally, though. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, historically. Yeah. Um, yeah. But only for the campaign, never online co- co- gotcha. uh, multiplayer. Gotcha. 
Um, I, I never did read the books. Um, there's a ton of lore yeah. in the in the universe. The rich deep I, lore, as he calls it. Yes, I I know the campaign of the first three games, and Reach fairly well. Mm-hmm. After that, completely drops off. I put the most, I put more time into Halo Five than Halo One, Two, and Three combined. Wow. Um, and I have I have no idea. I I played that campaign maybe once. Wow. Um, I dropped I dropped Halo. I have, I have legitimately no idea what happens in Halo Four. <laughs> like, like I can't even remember anything about it. And then Halo what Infinity, Halo Infinite. Um, I didn't. I never did finish the campaign. Though I won't say that it wasn't good. They, I, what I played so f- before I stopped of the campaign. I feel like they did a great job. <laughs> but besides those three core games, and then Reach. Uh, he's. I wouldn't be surprised if he just overall he just knows more. Mm-hmm. He's tried to like corner me and tell me about it, and it is interesting. I do think it is a a, a great like a fine a good deep ancient story like canonically ancient story. Ryan, do you have a and, second to talk about our Lord and Savior, Master Chief? <laughs> kind of somebody. very similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So he has feelings about this Paramount Plus Halo show. Do you have plans on watching that? Um, no. Um, for the same reason that I don't really have any plans to watch the Lord of the Rings TV show or the Wheel of Time TV show and all of these that are coming out at the same same time. Um, Which is... Just that I'm perfectly happy with the medium that I enjoyed the franchise initially, and I don't have any desire to to have that be ruined. I mean, if somebody if if everybody comes to me months later and says like this was the greatest thing ever, maybe I don't watch I don't watch a ton of like TV shows mm-hmm. and movies right now. Anyways, yeah, I just watch a lot of YouTube. So it would have to be like an abnormally amazing experience because it, it could be a fine show and I still wouldn't watch it. Yeah. So, yeah, gotcha. I haven't watched I haven't watched any of the new seasons. I've only seen the first season of The Mandalorian. I haven't seen the new season of The Witcher. Um, I haven't so. either. I watched, so I will say The Mandalorian is the best thing that has happened to Star Wars since Disney bought it. Okay. See, um, that's a good. I'm even happy the to hear second that. season. Even the second season. Um, it's, uh, it's fantastic. It. Oh, man, it's so good. It's. There's so many scenes in, in both seasons that just like. that just like sing to me that this is a space Western. Oh yeah. There's, um, there's a train scene where he's like running on top of a train and there's like bandits trying to take over the train. I'm like, yeah, there's, there's freaking duel like pistol duels at sunset in the middle of a deserted town. Like (laughs) it's such a Western. 
But it's so good. I f- oh, man, I love The Mandalorian. But I haven't watched the second season of The Witcher. Even well, though even I, did, like the, I did convince my wife to watch it with me eventually. The Has she not seen the first season either? No, and she doesn't really care to. But I got yeah. her to agree to watch the second season with me. I mean, like... you. Got, they did a good job with the entire season, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Of both The Mandalorian and The Witcher. Yeah. But I feel like parts of those things... So, like, for The Mandalorian and The Witcher, I feel like... What helps it stick in people's minds is the music so the first season of the witcher has um uh, dandelions or dandelions song mm-hmm. except that for people just ask in the show yeah I, which is which i it's been a little bit too long since i've read the books mm-hmm. to remember if that has any connection nope okay well um <laughs> but uh but people just couldn't get that out of their heads for Ever. And I still, every couple of weeks, I still listen to, there's a particular guy that did a hard metal cover mm-hmm. of that song, Toss a yes. Coin to Your Witcher. Yep. And I, I still like just listen to it and I just like lean back. I'm like, yeah, this is nice. So I like you'll, this. you'll appreciate this then. That, that same heavy metal mix of that song is yeah. all three of my kids' favorite song. Really? Whenever we go anywhere in the car, they ask, "Can we watch? Can we listen to Toss a Coin to Your Witcher?" Every time, and they they don't like when I turn on the like the official yeah yeah the yeah, show yeah. The, the canon one from the show yeah they don't like that one as much. They want the heavy metal one. And it's good. It's all so three of them good. Head into it, even the two year old. It's so hilarious. Yeah, it's so cute. <laughs> I love I love that. I need to get a video of that one of these days. Yeah, I sent one to you a couple of years ago of Griffin. He's just in the corner in between the couches, just like screaming, toss a coin to your witcher over and over again. Is he? Oh, yeah. my goodness. I sent I... It, to you. it was a while ago, but I did send you a video of it. No, I'm going to have to do some searching on my messages because that's, I mean, that's the stuff we need. It is. That's that it good is. stuff. I remember you made a, a comment on my parenting. It was good. Stuff. Did I? You did. Wow, yeah, that's... You, you said something like, Man, "You're you're raising him right," or something, something like that. Wow, well, I I really approve of this uh, <laughs> couple year old version of me. <laughs> I have no memory of this at all. Dang. Um. So The Witcher has that, and then the uh, I, it's been too long. Obviously, the other soundtracks didn't do enough for me to stay in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Mandalorian has just that theme, that mm. theme song, like that the main the, theme, da, 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 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, like, that's in my head. You yep. know, that just stays. Exactly. Um, and I feel like almost as good of a, you know, I'm, I wasn't around. I watched Star Wars for the first time what like two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I can't I can't make comments on like the nostalgia and how well like the music of star Wars did. Yeah. But I'll just say like, they did a good job with the Mandalorian soundtracks. They did. Um, so we have, uh, yeah. So I, I have no, what's that like complete neutrality, um, thing from that, uh, that TV, that like animated show. It's like, I'm, I feel completely neutral one way or the other. 
Have you seen that, that video was, or that clip? That was possibly the most vague sentence you've ever uttered. Okay. Um, animated, completely oh neutral scene. Wow. Yeah, I would love exactly. to see what comes up. Um, okay, hang on. Let's change scene to meme, yeah. and I bet that I get it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I've, I found exactly what it is. Neutral response. Neutral response refers to a scene from the animated television series Futurama. Did you watch that? No. No, I've never seen... I know what Futurama is. I've never I've, watched it. I've never, se- I've never seen it either, but the guy just says... He says, I have no strong feelings one way or the other. Um, and I think there's a YouTube video that has that scene. And I think that YouTube video, I've never completely confirmed whether it's really the community doing God's work or if YouTube <laughs> is just, you know. But but it does stay even on likes and dis- dislikes. <laughs> Do you have the plug-in that lets you see the dislikes? No, but I know I know about it. Okay. I don't I don't use YouTube in the way that it matters to me, but I yeah. am very like I followed uh, Linus Tech Tips to yeah. the point that I I kind of kept up with it. Yeah, yeah. Um YouTube video. I'll link this in the I'll link this in the video if it's the case. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. I can't see the dislikes anymore, so. Yeah. The first, the very top comment, it says, it's genuinely sad that a piece of YouTube history is compromised for a policy that literally nobody likes. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, the objective was, so like, for example, on this one, there's 500, the, by now, because everybody's always making sure the scales are correct. There's 580,000 likes. And wow. before they took, before they took the dislike off, um you would never like people would talk about the day that they got on and it was off, but uh-huh. I, che- I would check this thing every once in a while and now ne- it was never off by a single one. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's really something. So that's just, and use, and they say like the internet is chaotic, <laughs> but it's chaotic in the best way. Yeah. The most yeah. useless things will have order, the likes of which the world has never seen. <laughs> yes. In that sense, it is the most chaotic. In that the things that matter, or the, the, the things that people will assign meaning, have zero weight in, uh, yeah. in real human lives. Yes. And that, and that is somehow beautiful. <laughs> it is. It is beautiful. I don't get it, but I think that's the point. Um, well, it's like the, I just love, I love internet culture. I mean, we'll, I'll just commit myself to the tangent that I'm going on. Oh boy. I love internet culture and they were doing, uh, they used... Somebody had like technology that could upscale the resolution of a video from like an old 480p, like very blurry 
kind of video to like a 4K video quality. And from the combination of like their software, the AI that was part of that software, and then like hundreds and hundreds of hours of manual work, they were able to get a video to go, yeah, from 480p to 4K. But the video that they chose to do it with was the Rickroll video. Yes. Yeah, of course it was. I was going to ask. I knew, I knew yeah. where you were going with it. But but that's that's why I love it, because you could guess it. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the order among the chaos. Uh-huh. Do you remember? I remember um, the day. I don't remember the date, but I remember the day that that video on YouTube surpassed one billion views. I don't know. I remember the Gangnam style or Gundam style mm-hmm. and their numbers. I don't remember the Rickroll thresholds. Yeah, it uh, it was close to Rick Astley's birthday last year, I think. <laughs> They were like, "Come on, let's get this guy a billion views," and like it wasn't it wasn't then, but it was within maybe two weeks of his birthday that they surpassed one billion views. Um, not that it matters because that guy didn't like make any money off of that. I know, probably like zero dollars. <laughs> yeah, he made he made like I think less than a hundred dollars. Wow. Um. Wow. Did not know this. So, Kingdom Style had f- has, to this day, 4.3 billion views nine years ago. Whoa. Um, I just scrolled down a bit. Uh, 14 years ago, the Gummy Bear song, 2.8 billion views. Why do I hate that? I love, I love that. I love that song. Is that the I'm a Gummy Bear, I'm a Gummy, yep, gummy yep. Bear? My yep. six-year-old sings that song. Does that make you feel better about yourself? I already felt the best about myself, but well, I'm glad that he also enjoys thing, it. But... It's a great it's a great song. I just want you to know that the mind of a six-year-old is also attracted to that song. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. I get so excited when it comes up on my liked playlist. Oh, boy. Um, that and I would get, in, I would get caught red-handed all the time. When I would when I would be leaving work at the gym and like coworkers would be leaving at the same time as me, and because you bump into like, the gummy bear song in your car as you leave, yeah, the gummy bear song and the Mulan, uh, like strong like a coursing river song. Wow. Um, those wow. two songs I would always get uh, very intra- like I would be sitting there like, I could have just like reprimanded somebody. <laughs> For something at work, like we could have just been having like a serious meeting, and then we and then we get to the stoplight, and I'm just singing "Gummy Bear" at the top of my lungs, oh, and they're like, they're like they point to me and they're like, "That guy just wrote me up." <laughs> that that adult. But that's I don't right. think you can call yourself an adult. Um. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> no, it did make future that. it did I make future write ups a little bit less serious. Yeah. When they knew. Uh my oldest today told me that uh I'm still a, a kid and that I'll always be a kid. I make a story that, that brought you much happiness. Yeah, I didn't I didn't hate that. 
You didn't hate that? I didn't hate that. Um, all right, back back to video games. Real serious. <clears throat> Real serious, because I'm an adult. <laughs> I've been I'm playing Skyrim again. That's my adult self. Yeah, that's not a bad thing though. I don't think. Problem I've is, never, I'm an extremist played, with that as well. Oh uh, yeah, I've never um, played Skyrim, but uh, I think there's worse games you could play. Yeah, you'll play. You've already agreed to play it. Um, I, I'm an extremist with that as well. So I was just sitting here playing it, having a good time. And then the other day I looked at the clock and it was 3 a.m. I was like, ah, I have a life. I have a, I have appointments with people in the morning. Oh, you did that on a work day. I did that on a, well, okay. In my, in my defense, a work day has no meaning to me these days there is there is no like weekend oh okay i see i see yeah 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 Yeah, i suppose that's that does change things a little that would change things for me a little bit i think yeah um when i would allow myself to play games yeah but uh but i looked at the clock i was like i just messed my entire tomorrow like next day up because i was busy Becoming a werewolf in a video game. <laughs> Goals, folks. Yeah. So that's that's taking up almost all of my time. That and and I'm setting up the new the new D and D campaign as well as getting ready to continue your guys's someday. Maybe next year we'll finally start that back up again. Um, but uh, yeah, eventually we'll get. I'm getting. I pulled up your guys' campaign in World Anvil mm-hmm. for the first time in a very long time. Yeah. It's been quite a minute. Yeah. Oh, geez. Now I'm thinking about my character. Oh, man. I miss that guy. Uh, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. I'm very excited. I've, I've started to put, I've started to like the whole process of like crazy ideas in my head and then putting them down in some sensible form on paper. And then they kind of like, in my mind, they kind of become like, there's the things that become a little bit more concrete. Mm-hmm. And then in my head, I just don't forget about them. Cause like they're just there now. They're just the thing that mm-hmm. happens. So some of that, some of that, uh, that has been happening. I'm excited for you guys. Um, that is my video game update Brian it's your turn my turn so I kind of dropped Witcher feels bad man yeah not because I was getting tired of it not at all Um, I was still progressing through the side quests and the story super enjoying it Um, we've talked at length about the world of The Witcher and just how how alluring it is because of how horrible it is. Yeah, yeah. There's just something about the grit in that world that just I don't know. It's just a it's a horrible place to spend time, but it's, it's such a wonderful place to spend time <laughs> at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. 
Like, like spoilers for The Witcher 3. Although at this point, you deserve to be spoiled because it's like it's like a six year old it's like a six year old game that yeah, was that one I game mean, of the year like game of the decade game of oh, wow i think it, yeah i think it won a, i think it won i think somebody like attached a game of the decade award to it wow well i mean wow anyway yeah spoilers um there's a quest line along the bloody baron's quest or there's a quest along the bloody baron's quest line where you go find you run into these three ladies called the crones yeah and uh you first run into them while you're looking for the bloody baron's wife and they they exist kind of outside of space and time but they're like tied to this swamp and they've abducted the Baron's wife, and they speak to Geralt through the Bloody Baron's wife. And uh, you see a painting or a, a like a woven mural or something. So it's made tapestry. to look like a painting, but I think it's made out of human hair or something like that. Something, something grotesque like that. As yeah. all things in The Witcher are, but the painting is of three beautiful, beautiful, women. yeah, beautiful and benevolent, beautiful and benevolent, because uh, they're like doing nice things for kids or something, right? They're they're like helping women or helping like commoners or something in the painting or tapestry, and so Geralt's like, oh, nice. And Geralt is thinking uh, hot girls because that's that's always on his mind. And then you leave to to fight this like other ancient spirit of the forest that's like become corrupted and it's like making this tree sick and it's killing people and whatever. So you go. You can either side with the tree spirit or kill the tree spirit. Uh, because the tree spirit says the crones are even more ancient and more evil than the tree spirit. So, like, you make a choice there. I killed the tree spirit because the tree spirit would kill a whole village if you sided with it. Um, so that was, like, the lesser of two evils. But what that ended up doing was it revealed the crones to you, and they are not hot at <laughs> all. There's one whose whole, like, the whole area of her face above her nose is just like a... It's like a beehive. Termite mound. Yeah, like the termites yeah. live in her skin. And they've just like... Which... It's all red and swollen and... There's Ugh. there's nude articles of that that crone in the video game mm-hmm. single-handedly showing thousands of people exposing their fear of holes. Um I can't remember what that phobia is called. Yeah, um <laughs> but but like uh yeah, trip trip tripophobia. Uh, I don't recommend looking it up on Reddit. Reddit. Um it's but grotesque. 
it is grotesque and horrifying. I don't yeah. like it. Um, but that game, like people, there are articles about people like having discovered their fear because of that NPC. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's gross. It's, it's so nasty. nasty. And it shows like big fat, like beetles, like crawling in and out of the, yeah. like in and out and of she's the holes like, in her face. And she's like jittery and yeah. she's like, yeah, she's like yeah, flinching yeah. while she's talking. Uh-huh. Um, oh, it's the first time I saw it. I was like, this is, this is, this, this is, this is not okay. Yeah. It's not like scary per se, but it is so disturbing. Yeah. Ugh. And that's yeah, just, it's, there's two other crones. Yeah, there's two others. And you look in like, um, I didn't notice, like the things that you notice when you're, when you're playing through it again, mm-hmm. well, they have like on their like little rope belts, they have the ears mm-hmm. on yeah. their belt. Yep. Um, and then like the gal that has like the, I, I, don't, I can't remember what she's holding, but the gal that's like holding something. Mm-hmm. Um, or the fat one. There's like something where like an arm is literally just like hanging out of them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's it's disgusting. Yeah. So they yeah they eat a bunch of orphans. They like boil them in stew and eat them. So that's that's fun. But the game is so fun because you make choices like that and you're like you're torn because like if you don't know. Like if you like if I didn't know, I probably would have sided with the tree spirit and gotten an entire village killed. But I did know. Yeah. So I chose to help out my buddy, the bloody baron, get his wife back, which led to the deaths of half a dozen orphans. So that was fun. I will say I have never been so stressed. I, rarely have I been so stressed as when I'm not. I won't spoil anything because I want you to play through the rest of it. But in general, there are different endings to the game. Yes. And I'm like I was so stressed when I was waiting for the cutscenes to get to the point where it would be come apparent on which ending I was going to get, uh-huh. and I got the good ending, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. There were several, there were several uh, NPC interactions where I had to keep reloading checkpoints to go back and do the dialogues differently to get different endings. I remember yeah. doing that like f- three or four times because I kept screwing it up. Yeah, but it's a yeah, it's a good it's a good game, and yeah. the 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 DLCs were excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, everything everything about it. It wasn't a perfect. We don't need to talk. It wasn't a perfect launch, but they they just fixed the game up, and it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing now. Yeah. So it's great. So I dropped um, that. And yeah, you dropped that. I dropped that for possibly a game that could potentially be one of my forever games. I'm not willing to let go of Kingdom Hearts 2 or Final Fantasy 15 as my forever games. 
like as in like at any point of my life I can pop those games in and yeah, have yeah, yeah. 100% the same level of joy that I played that I had when I the first time I played it. Yeah. I started playing Elden Ring. I think I, I think we've talked about this on the show. Uh, it's my first real uh, from software game. Yeah. So there's like a there's a steep learning curve uh, in the the combat and game design of a Soulsborne game, and so that was rough, but. I think I'm I think I'm picking up I think I'm picking up some of the basics now. Like you don't have to fight every single enemy. Uh don't stress about dying and roll towards your enemies. That's like that's the three main things that I've learned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so I have a question for you. Yes. Um, I feel like Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 2 are too antiquated these days by now. Uh-huh. And you've already tried to do Bloodborne. But has this... <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, has playing this game given you any desire to like go and play like Dark Souls 3 someday? It's, I, it's given me... I do want to go back and play Dark Souls 1 and 2. Okay, so you want to play the, the first two as well. Yes. Yeah, and Sekiro... Uh, am I missing one? Demon Souls. They remastered Demon oh, yeah, Souls, yeah. I think, and that one. Um, yes. I hear on good authority that that the remastered version of Demon Souls is excellent. Yeah, I hear they did a good job. Yeah, I really okay. Hang on, I got to take off this trypophobia tab Not, off my screen. Yeah. I don't know about Bloodborne, oh. man. Uh, I could not. I just couldn't get down for the horror elements of that the game portion it of was it. too freaking spoopy for me maybe i need to watch a because i'm trying to do that gothic horror mm-hmm. would you say but based on what you had played through it the portion that you had played through what do you think that it would be a good like playthrough to watch a bit of for like a gothic horror inspiration i might watch yeah i might watch a let's play of it because um, that that might be something I do is is watch that because yeah. I'm always lo- I'm I'm always looking for like I'm I'm love it. I'll just mention real quick I'm loving the research that I'm I've been I've found so far on like gothic horror and like mm-hmm. what the themes mean and mm-hmm. like it's just been a fun like a fun journey and just like the whole like hopelessness mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. so yeah that. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I would recommend that then uh, if you're if you're into that. There's lots yeah, of have to, and people throw around the word Lovecraftian a lot. Um, I don't like how overused that term is. Yeah, but the the level design in from games again, Elden Ring is my yep. first real from game. So yeah. take take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt, but the level design of the From games nails um, Lovecraftian horror. 
I think. Because it's, I mean, you start out, I'll just use Elden Ring as an example. You start out knowing nothing. Yeah. Uh, that's like, from what I hear, that's like a major... That's pretty much, yeah, it's every game. That's like the staple of every game. You like, here's your character, mm, maybe some, maybe some like vague historical lore. Uh, have fun. Yep. And then you go and you just like learn, you, you have to learn everything through trial and error. Everything. Yep. Like lore, yeah. combat. Everything. You get a couple. You get a couple messages on the ground mm-hmm. that can legitimately be missed and ignored. Yes. Um, in all of the games, mm-hmm. that just tell you some of the controls, and that's it. Yeah. There is no tutorial. I mean, yeah. there's an area that people. There's the Dark Souls version of a tutorial in every game, but there, <laughs> but that is not a tutorial in comparison to other games. Right, right, and so, like the, the way, that they get Lovecraftianism. Cosmicism is another term. Um, is that the more you learn. The more of the world that you explore, the more terrifying the world becomes. The more scary of a place or the more dangerous of a place it becomes, the more you know about it. Like the more places you go, you you find bigger and scarier things. Things that are more equipped to kill you. Like Uh, everywhere. Everywhere and, and and I think like the, I that's I think that is like the the most basic components of Lovecraftian horror. The more you know, the worse off you are, and everything is out to get you. Everything hurts. Every yeah, everything <laughs> wants to kill you. Um, I love the, like, it's, it's always like this, I don't know how to explain it, but in the Souls games, and I'm seeing, cause I'm, I, I'm not playing it, but I'm, I'm watching several Let's Plays of it. Every time you find this like new beautiful area, <laughs> it's always like bittersweet because it's like, this is amazing. And you're about to get booty slapped. As right. Well. You're about to get them cheeks clapped. Cause... It's like it's almost like this proportional like the um, this amount of like difficulty that something is is almost proportional to how beautiful yeah the place is. So there's always this other side of the coin of mm-hmm. like there's still horror to be found here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know like um, I remember for me, Dark Souls three was that first game for me uh, yeah. from the franchise, and that city in the snow globe. Um, I don't know if I talked about it before the snowy the snowy uh kind of very picturesque city mm-hmm. they they set up the entire they set up like the the whole last like five hours of playing the game is set up to just be as dark and dank and murky and and depressing as possible mm-hmm. so that when you walk out of the t- catacomb doors 
and you just get this full view and they like the game changes your field of view to like make it wider and that like it's meant for you to just have this like oh my goodness experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that city is like the hardest enemies like to to that point in the game like you get Mm -hmm. in there and everything just hurts and then the boss the boss at the top of the castle was one of the hardest bosses Mm-hmm. Um, to uh, to deal with, and it's like this this city's beautiful, but it hurts. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. It's so like that, and like the very first, literally the first steps, like the first campfire you go to in Elden Ring, it's called the first steps, and you walk down, and it's just like this idyllic enchanted forest that's like perpetually in. Uh, fall where the leaves are all changing yeah. colors and it's always like twilight and beautiful and you walk down and there's this like this big regal knight on this huge steed and he just looks so like knight in shining armor like so cool and you yeah. go up and you try to fight him and he f's you up dude like yeah. hard just just slaps you and he just kills you in like one hit just just dead yeah it's it is ridiculous and the people that have played it's funny because the people that had played souls games before you see it on every single playthrough they're like they walk out somebody that hadn't played before they walk out and they look and they're like oh my goodness that's so beautiful that these people they walk out they look at the horse and they're like oh heck no (laughs) (laughs) right yeah, because they're like that Cause thing. They know. And they, that thing and looks pretty, and that means sucks. it's gonna kill me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh. it makes you a cynic of everything. Like right. everything is a lie. Mm-hmm. Like nothing is just like nothing is just given to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the mimics are a huge thing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how. I, I haven't seen one in Elden Ring yet. Yeah, I don't. Think... I've seen. I've seen trap chests. Trap yeah. type chests, yeah. Uh, but I haven't seen a mimic before. But mimics were always a thing in the other Souls games, mm-hmm. um, and so you were always like, every time you saw a chest, you're like looking around, like, is there a teeth in this mother effer? Like, <laughs> yeah. is there a tongue hanging out on the side? <laughs> right. Because you you could be looking for some loot, and depending on your health, like if you hadn't put a real focus on your on your health, uh-huh. you open up a chest, and that just uh, it'll it'll bite down and you'll like fall into the chest and it does a couple bites before it lets you go and the fight starts and it can just kill you. It can just a hundred percent you. Yeah. Right. It's like, well, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. But then it just returned. Cause it, when it does die, then it has an item. Cause it was, yeah. you know, so it's, yeah, it's crazy. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that it's given you the, cause I think like, I think all the games are great. Mm-hmm. And the people that have played them, I mean, they, they love, they certainly love one. I think two is a little bit more polarizing of a, of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, three, I loved. Um, yeah. And three is a little bit more updated, so it definitely has that, like, beauty to it that you're seeing in Elden Ring. Yeah, yeah. So, that yeah. that excites me. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I saw like a thumbnail of an article that hinted uh, or it extrapolated from 
like one line of an interview of some guy at the developing company that there might possibly potentially be an Elden Ring 2. So we're like, we're well down this wooded path into rumor here. Yeah, that's like a, that's like that's like next Elder Scrolls installment level of rumor. Right. Yeah. Or GTA 6, right? Yeah, yeah. Um but I saw that and I was like, okay, this the next From game will not surprise me. And I'm going to go back and play all the From games. Yeah. With yeah. you know, Sekiro and um the Dark Souls and Demon Souls, not Bloodborne. F that game. I, <laughs> I do think, I mean, man, I do think it is, like, it's unfortunate that it is, but, man, I think this release is an anomaly by how well it went. Yeah. And we've talked about that off air, that it was yeah so dang wholesome that yeah. we got a full, complete game with very little bugs. Um beautiful what else what were the others the community is strong it's still going strong yeah um it's made i saw like last week they had hit 12 million sales worldwide they were hoping for six million within the first like month uh and they had gotten 12 million in the first like two weeks or something so just phenomenal success. Um, no microtransactions. No paywalls anywhere to be found. Yeah. Yeah. Just a good, wholesome, complete game. And it's so good. Well, and like you were saying, like those lack of microtransactions, like you were saying this could be one of your forever games. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the main reasons that it can be is that there is just this absence of these microtransactions. Mm-hmm. Like you have a complete game yeah. that doesn't have any invasions or intrusions from these like timely microtransactions. Right. Exactly. No loot boxes, no gotcha rolls, nothing. Ugh, it's so fantastic. Which I don't think a game like... Well, I don't think From Software has it in its DNA to pull anything like that because of uh, what's the, I don't know, the CEO's name. His stance on games and game design is that, uh, essentially, my words, that the player should level up as much as the character in the game. Oh yeah, that's cool. Which uh, I watched. I watched a video on YouTube. It the title was the psychology of Souls games. That's a misleading title. Um, it was basically just a synopsis of a bunch of other videos that content creators said Dark Souls cured my depression. <laughs> yeah. There was very little actual psychological content in that video but <laughs> yeah the the main the take-home point from that game was that essentially 
when you take on something hard and you complete it, you become better. Like, as a person. And even though it's a, just a video game, quote-unquote, uh, it's still it's still hard, and completing something hard still rewards you with growth. Yeah. Which, I mean, I could talk about that for hours, but I won't. But it's I'm just, just continually yeah, it's just amazed. And great. Yeah. As I'm watching these playthroughs, I'm just continually amazed. It's like every time they find a new area, I have the same reaction. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like this completely unique, diverse, like horrifying in its own way uh-huh. area. Another one. Yes. Um, and it just keeps happening. And I, um, well, I'll let you really discuss it because you're going to be the, you're the one that's that can really justify a conversation based on it. But the character development. And like the character building in the in the game, I watched uh, again Fighting Cowboy. We talked about mm-hmm. him a little bit. Yeah, oh, I love that guy. He was uh, I he was streaming, and I just pulled up. I like I pulled up his YouTube stream, and then I like skipped to like halfway through the video. And he's doing a for his walkthrough. He's doing like he's doing streams right now, preparing to do a walkthrough YouTube series. I I think. Yeah. So right now I think he's just messing with the game and he's just yeah. kind of trying out stuff. But it's like a magic-esque character. Mm-hmm. And the stuff he was doing was ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it was nuts. Do you know which kind of magic he was using? Because um, I know I've seen those thumbnails, the, the walkthrough prep streams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he... He has like these two swords, um, and he does attack with them sometimes. He does like this, like jumping, like flourishing attack with them. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. he also does this thing where he like spray, he like sprays a mist out, mm-hmm. and then the mist like explodes. Okay. Um, and does huge damage. Yep. Um, and then he has just a complete, like kamehameha, yeah, like okay. yeah. blast. Yeah. That that he does. Mm-hmm. Um but it looks it looks nutty. And then he has and then he has other stuff that he like throws up in the air and um but just showing like the diversity of the game. Like I was yeah. watching a comp- I was watching a completely different playstyle. Like it was so it was it was well above the threshold of like being different enough to justify another playthrough. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um <clears throat> There's a ton of diversity with... So there's two different types of magic. You've you've essentially got... <clears throat> you've essentially got your intelligence magic and your faith magic. Um, and within those two, like fields of magic you have like different schools and so like different equipment does better with different schools of magic um and different weapons synergize with different styles of magic and stuff and there's like the ashes of war system 
adds a whole level to that. There's just oh yeah, like yeah, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, it's so there's like I don't know if anybody's done all the permutations of like all the combinations of character builds you can do with all the weapons and magic and everything, but there's got to be hundreds of thousands. Yeah, it's and of and like even character builds. In previous games, people would do like bow only runs just mm-hmm. for fun. Yeah. Because the bow was pretty... The bow really never changed. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like, I was seeing some of the stuff that you can do with bows. And, like, the different the different bows and the different abilities mm-hmm. you have attached to them. And even those are crazy. Like, yeah. raining... Yeah. Like, like, raining these arrows down from the heavens. Um, yeah. The, the Sofrias... I don't know if... I don't know if there's a way that a player can do that same thing, but the the entities from Safria's river that just shoot the 10 foot missiles have you been down there yet i went down and went right back up because it i just got i just got booty slapped as soon as okay, I, went yeah, down, I, I was way too low for it i won't say i, I won't say anything more on it but i have every, i'm watching three playthroughs right now and every single one of them halfway through they all say at some point they're like this is a joke right (laughs) um there's been several i've had several of those experiences like are you kidding me like that's for real yeah like that's actually what they put into the game dinosaur puppy thing just roared and like knocked me off my horse what people are getting the only frustration i've heard of the game are the like screams that do damage yeah. I've heard several people say that they're pretty frustrated about about that because it's like apparently like the window to react to it isn't really that big at all, and the fact that it just they could just scream and do damage to you mm-hmm. seems pretty crazy. So I've just I've heard that same comment from several people. Oh, um, I I mean it's annoying, but I would I I don't hold that against the game at all. That's good. Yeah, um, there's. Uh, what else? The uh... so there's these um, like these stone golems that are like fifty feet tall or something that have these huge bows, and they they shoot oh, yeah. these like these massive arrows that are like they're <laughs> I mean they've got to be like. 80 feet long and like the (laughs) the width i'm not kidding the width of the arrow is like almost as thick as your character is tall just about it's like half it's like it's between half and three quarters your character's height it's so massive and you can get that bow yeah, which is which it's is nuts. that's like, but that's awesome though. Yeah, it, yeah, oh yeah, it's so cool. Like the first time I ran into that, um, luckily I had a like um, a spell for my shield that like that made it like a super tank shield. Okay. And so I literally just like walked behind my shield and tanked those freaking arrows oh, that were like goodness. thicker than my whole body. But they just like bounced off my shield, and that was 
such a cool bad a moment because i just walked up to this thing and chopped it in the ankles until it died it was so cool can we talk about the talking pots i love them there's an uh, man there's some of them that are unfriendly and i i hate fighting them because i i don't like killing them you don't like killing them no i love them so much I love that they're like an order. They're like an order of warriors, though. Yes. That's like so random in such I a know. beautiful way. I know. It, but it truly, it truly is an example of like, I see you're stressing about like, you know, this world building thing. Like, oh, this doesn't make any sense at all. It's like, uh-huh. yeah, it doesn't make sense because you're not committed to it enough. <laughs> like these guys literally just made a set of warriors that are ba- like, they're cook like cooking pots soup ceramic yeah pots and they committed to it and it's awesome yes and like and when you kill them you get the meat that was in the soup in the pot do you oh yeah that is that is a consumable item that you get from killing them um i just loved the i'm not i'm not always a guy with his mind in the gutter but like Come on, uh, mediums are. mediums like critical role with all their sexual jokes uh-huh it's it has it has its place it's pretty funny <laughs> and when that have you you've come across that pot that's like stuck yeah and he's like i can't remember what he says but i just like i just need a good wallop from behind from something yeah. th- thick and strong <laughs> and you're just sitting here like okay yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> Like, I, this is beyond the fact of, like, oh, like, chuckle, chuckle. Like, somebody sat in that office and did that and then turned it over to a voice actor and made them Uh say that. And I love, I love that all of that (laughs) happened. Uh, Yeah. And you're like, if you hit it with too short of a, like, you hit him once and he's like, yeah, like, he's like egging you on. He's like uh, pumping you up for it. Yeah. And if you hit him with like too small of a weapon, he's like, wow, it's a, he makes like another comment and it's, oh. it is ridiculous. Uh, I haven't hit him. I've only hit him with like a spear and a greatsword. Um, yeah, but I, I, I love, I love it all. I love that it's a thing. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Stuff like that just makes me super happy. Yes. Moments like that do make the, the terrible, horribly hard parts much, much better. I'm excited when you go and play through the, the first couple Dark Souls games. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for you to experience Onion Bro. Onion Bro? Yeah. Good. I that can't is, wait. Yeah, that is a... That that is the uh, onion bro, and then uh, the praise the sun guy. Because <laughs> um, those are those are the yeah I love I love them both. Hmm. So and there's a one of the things, and I don't I'm you know it's it's like it was an amazing mechanic that just due to the nature of it, it's nobody's fault. But you're not going to hear it too much when you're in the game. But in Dark Souls one there was like a specific thresh. There's like a specific threshold that like puts you into another chapter of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it involves ringing a bell. That's all. I, that's all I will say. Okay. 
when the game released and then again when the well it happens all the time but the population was highest when the game released and then when it got remastered right you could hear like it would that you could hear the bell ring mm-hmm. when another player in their game rang the bell whoa does that make sense yeah and somebody like i've heard a lot of people say like it's so like cool mm-hmm. to just like you're you're just like hearing off in the distance like somebody has like done and it's like after it was hard to get to and like they know what they had to go through and they just did this thing and it was just it was such a cool mechanic yeah that's so cool like you just you would just hear the like it would just be going off in the distance yeah. you know all the time yeah um, so one thing that I'm kind of missing out on because I'm a plebeian and I don't have PlayStation Plus. Um, oh, do you not have the online stuff? Do you not have the no. messages? I don't have the messages, and I oh, don't see the no. little ghosties running around. And I think, like, uh, oh, I do man. regret I'm, that. Uh, that's, that's. I'm sorry. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, that's a Because if we're talking about sexual jokes. Yeah, I would I say know. I've seen the memes. I would say... <laughs> I would say about 80% of the messages are something to do with fake secret doors. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the other 19% are something sexual. Yeah. And then the 1% is something helpful. Right. Yeah. No, I'll take that back. 18% is something sexual. 1% is something helpful. And the other 1% is just a message put down so that you can see that you can get to a specific size because you see a message box there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. My favorite one that, like, it has been getting everybody, and it probably has some of the biggest commendations, is it's a, a guy, because you can see sometimes the emote as well as the message. Uh-huh. And so um, the guy is doing, like, the emote of, like, he's, like, standing forward and he has his hands out. Uh-huh. And the message says, try both hands, or try two hands. But he has placed it. He has placed it specifically in front of two sets of armor, and so he's just cupping both. <laughs> oh, it's so good, dude! It's like stuff like that. So it's, funny. It's so good. I love it. Or like you see the messages. Um, you see the messages like in front of uh, boss rooms. Uh-huh. This says like try try poison. So you're like, oh, okay, so you like put the poison, like wax on, yeah, yeah, and you do like the poison stuff and poison that, and you walk inside and he's uh, and he's immune to poison. Yeah, yeah, like just trolls. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I hate it and I love it at the same time. Yeah, there's some the ones that are getting like the most hate online is you can leave the message right on top of the campfire, so you can't rest there. Oh, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I've seen it where, like, somebody's getting chased and they're running to the campfire. And they're, like, trying to camp. <laughs> they like, when, you, when you rest, like, all the yeah, aggro yeah, yeah. goes away. And they're like, ah, ah. And then, like, they just get steamrolled by, like, 18 yeah. dogs or something that they've <laughs> yeah. been running away from forever. Yeah, that's that unfortunate. But at the same time, like, since I'm not toxic. playing it, I just get to appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I love it. I love it so much. So yeah. I'm 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 genuinely sad that that's not something that you're getting to experience because yeah. the red pools yeah. as well, the red pools as well. It's an experience just to like watch like 
because you'll see a message that says try jumping and it'll be uh, like at the edge of a cliff uh-huh. and then you just see eight pools of blood <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny um yeah but then you see like the because sometimes it'll show the ghosties yeah so then at random times like you'll just be walking you and you'll see the ghost just jump off uh-huh. You're like, what the heck? And then you just see him like go down the secret walkway. Yeah. Well, and that's it's cool. yeah. It's uh yeah, it's they've done like all of those things are so unique uh-huh. and they're so well they're so well done. Yeah. And the thing like, is that like little mechanic fits so well with like the theme of the game of like trying everything like risking dying to try this thing yeah and uh, when it's like it's so you're you're so alone you're so mm -hmm. by yourself like that's the point oh yeah like poignantly alone yeah and so like it's it's a point that the help like the multiplayer help like you can bring people in, and then yeah, that's kind yeah. of a different experience for the game. Yeah, but if you're playing alone, these like messages, and the and the red pools and the ghosties, it's so like lightly. It's such a light touch. Yes, just to be like, here's like a little thing to like remind yeah. you as a player that you're not alone, even though yeah. your character definitely is. Right, that somebody else is suffering with you through this. Yeah, and that, it's so like it's just it so, hits the mark just yeah, right. That's so powerful that like yes, you are your character is so alone, like so decidedly alone. Yeah. But you are not because there's 12 million other people in this world echoing exactly. what you're echoing what you're trying to do. And the harder and, the thing is, the more interactions that you're going to see around it. The yeah. more pools of blood, the more ghosties, mm-hmm. the more messages. Yep. Um, and so you can just feel the energy of like this is a big, this is a big thing. Yeah. And that gives you like that help. Like it gives it's you confidence. It gives you relief. You're yeah. like you're dying a bunch, but you see all these other messages, and you're like, okay, like it's fine. I'm not just a terrible player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen a mechanic sim like like that. Yeah, it's it's so unique. Yeah, um, and awesome. Yeah. Um, I've never fawned so much over over a game that I have no desire to play myself. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange um, dichotomy. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know if I have. I probably have. I probably fawned this hard over D&D before I ever played. Really? Probably. In my own head. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe not. Maybe not. Was D&D... Were there any letdowns? Yeah. Between between what you had in your head and, and what D&D was? Yeah. Um, I really wanted... I really wanted the Final Fantasy experience of I get to be as powerful as I want. 
Gotcha. Um, and that was a letdown. There was one session in particular where we were fighting some guards in a city or something. I don't know. We were fighting something. And I there was like two turns in a row where I just like missed my attack and therefore like did nothing productive or yeah. useful on my turn. And I was like, yeah. oh, that bites, man. It just, yeah, it's, it's just a sucky. Yeah. It's just a sucky thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's what makes me so like, I'm getting more, I think I've talked about it on the show. I'm getting more and more paranoid just as I'm in my own head, like on a day, like as the days go on with player, <sighs> like my desire in the beginning was like, I want as many players at my table as po- as possible. Uh-huh. And that has completely flipped. Like, yeah. we have somebody else that might be joining us, for, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in in our group, and and after that, like in in my Thursday night group, we're done. Like, I've mm-hmm. I do not I don't let anybody else in. Uh, people have asked, I deny it. They can join for one shots. I obviously don't control games that I'm not the game master for, but for my campaign, like I don't I don't allow anymore. We have five players in that one. <clears throat> And that is my hard cutoff. Yeah. And then for this one as well, we have four players, and like, I'm very like cautious about adding anybody else. And then right. once we hit five, I'm I'm done. Mm-hmm. Because for combat, like for role play and everything else, like it gets congested. But for combat, mm-hmm. I hate when it feels long. Like I, yeah. Uh, yeah. as far as like what I think the players are experiencing. Yeah. Like, I don't, I hate the concept that, like, somebody can wait 15 minutes, miss two attacks, and literally have to wait another 15 minutes. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, that's why I'm, I'm so paranoid and I don't want any more than five players at, at my, at my groups now. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, but yeah, sorry. So you were talking, you were saying yeah. the Final Fantasy thing thing in your head as far as you know thinking that you're going to be able to translate that into a medium mm-hmm. of D D. yeah because like i mean especially in older final fantasy games um game balance was never really like planned for okay really um well that's a, maybe that's a weird way of saying it um Game balance was... It was an afterthought? Well, it was adjusted in such a way that... That it was possible to get through the story without doing any side content. But doing side content would increase your effective power level... And so the more side content you did, the more powerful you got. Gotcha. Putting you um, above, like, right, just crazy amounts above what? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and, like, the random battle system, I guess, uh, mechanic, the random battle mechanic just was, it was, imp- I think it, I think it's impossible to have any semblance of like game balance when the players have complete control over how much experience they can get 
um, yeah. in any amount of yeah. time. Yeah. Um, cause like I, in, I did in final fantasy seven, especially I would just go to a place where I knew I could comfortably beat uh, enemies that would still give me worthwhile amounts of experience. And I would run in circles until I found some monsters killed all the monsters and just did it for hours and hours and hours and hours yeah like old school farming just like just grinding out the levels well that's what uh i remember in um in halo or i'm not in halo (laughs) in in skyrim there were specific parts like in the beginning of the game uh, you would be running. You're you're running with some. You're running with a companion that's getting you out of the prison and out mm-hmm. of the kind of the the castle and everything. Um, and just before, uh, I at some point in time, there's a part that he won't like move because he's like running with you. So if you catch up to him, he's just gonna keep going. Mm-hmm. There's a certain point he doesn't, and he doesn't ag- he doesn't aggro onto you if you just keep hitting him. So you just sit there with your iron sword, and you just wail on him. Mm-hmm. Um, until you get your one-handed to like level 100 or mm-hmm. you would always uh, like you would always use your destruct like your fire spells or your destruction spells and you would sit there and you would burn your horse <laughs> <laughs> because your horse regens pretty fast or yeah. I think there's a particular there's a particular horse that you get at the end of a quest line uh-huh. that regenerates just crazy fast yeah so then you would just sit there with all of your combat stuff and you would just basically just torture your horse. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. Um but but yeah, I would just sit there and I would just I would just do it or like yeah. the iron smithing. You would uh-huh. just you would just sit there and not do what the game wanted you to do, which was just organically over the course of the game make stronger and stronger stuff. Um or you do what everybody else did and you just make 1500 daggers. <laughs> right at the beginning of the game and you get yeah. to the because you're working yeah, you're crazy. working your smithing i remember you working your smithing and your speech at the same time because you're gaining sp- speech experience every time you're selling these daggers and buying the materials mm. yeah yeah and it would get to the point that your speech was so high that the dagger that you sold would be worth more than the than what you paid for the materials because <laughs> yeah. it's supposed to be like in the real world, that's kind of the point. Yeah. But in yeah. the game, in the game, the point, like it's supposed to, like you're, you're, if you're buying something from a shop, and so then you would just make money, and so you would just keep, you would just do it for ever. So yeah, yeah that the grind, man, right, the grind. Exactly. So like, so there was like the, like the raw power of just like doing that forever, but then also yeah. the versatility of like. Okay, now I'm going to switch out these characters and power up these characters so that I can have all of my bases covered. So I have yeah. all of the tactics like ready to go and all of the weaknesses I can expose. Because that's a big thing in Final Fantasy is like yeah. um, if you know an enemy's weakness, which typically the majority of enemies in Final Fantasy games have an exploitable weakness that is like 
super valuable information. So you get all your bases covered and you have all the tactics. So like me, the player, I walk into a dungeon in Final Fantasy VII and I just mop the floor with this in the dungeon because I yeah. like did all the things. You're like hyper rewarded. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like beyond just the loot, like the ease of, of uh, the ease of obtaining the loot yeah. was also part of the reward. But it's not just because of the grinding. It's because of the grinding and you figuring out the weaknesses and you being tactically like you thinking about the tactics and building mm-hmm. for the tactics. And so, right. It's not just a, it's not just an empty, like get, it's not just an empty reward. You actually feel satisfied from the work you've put into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And that does not translate into dungeons and dragons. Like almost none of that translates into dungeons yeah. and dragons. Cause like, yeah. Cause like you, so, like, cause I would look online to see the weaknesses of monsters, right, for Final Fantasy, yeah. but that's frowned upon in D and D. That's metagaming, yeah. and so I don't do that. So that's like that's that thing that doesn't translate over. Um, can players. I can I speak about that for a second? Yes, please. So first of all, the weakness thing, I do feel like. I want, and I'll tell you straight up, like in the next time that we're playing my camp, like the campaign that you have players in or characters in, my objective is that more enemies have exploitable weaknesses. Mm, sweet. Because I do feel like that's a satisfying, like, mm-hmm. I want there to be a rewarding layer to planning mm-hmm. an attack. Yeah. Very similar to Final Fantasy or like The Witcher. Yeah, the Witcher like, does that super good. Yeah, like they're like in the in the books it's explained, in the games it's done mm-hmm. where you are rewarded if you take the time to figure out what's going to work best and what this character is vulnerable against and um cuz if you go in to some of those Witcher fights and you didn't do any research, you could very well take 3 4 times as long because you're using all the stuff that the creature is um very very suited up for mm-hmm. um so that's something that's sh- that's something that's been on my mind for a while yeah oh, that i love to hear that um because i like i understand that there's like the obvious ones that like the drow and vampires have this weakness to sunlight and all that and yeah trees have this weakness to fire and but i want there to be like like i want there to be more Yes. Yeah, like, um, status ailments are a big thing in a lot of Final Fantasy games. Um, like, something as minor as, like, um, accuracy reduction could mean the difference between, um, a cheese fight where you just, like, you just have your way with a boss... Or yeah. a boss that just absolutely devastates your party. Yeah. And so I don't know if I told you, but the reason the the direct translation of this thought that I've been having is why I have, I don't know if you can see it on this one right here, but um, on the camera, 
it is why I bought these Pathfinder books. Oh yeah. Oh, because that's, that's what path. That, that's like, what Pathfinder is. That like fills me with dread though that you're starting to read Pathfinder. I guess I have a buddy at work who's he's really into Pathfinder, and that game's idea of game balance is stupid. <laughs> I don't I don't want to play Pathfinder. It's yeah. too it's too much. It's so um, much. But some of those concepts where it's just like there's a little bit more intricacy here and there's a little mm-hmm. bit more intricacy there. Yeah. Um, for example, like the I think one of the ones that I already brought up is I love the fact that instead of resistance and you just take half damage from everything, you get like resistance with a number. So you get like a ring that has like fire resistance seven mm-hmm. and it will just in a fight, it will just negate. Uh, I can't remember if it's in a fight or with each attack, but if you have like fire breath happen against you, it'll just negate the first seven points of damage, but then the rest is taken to you. That's that. Yeah. That's really cool. I love, I love that. Yeah. And that's way cool. shields, Shields have the same thing, but then the other thing that Pathfinder ha- Pathfinders have that Pathfinder has, they put a little bit more intricacy into shields, which I love. Uh-huh. And shields also have uh, HP. Oh. Yeah, which I also love. But they make mm-hmm. shields a little bit more powerful because of that. Yeah. Um, yeah that stuff like sense. that. And um, as far as attack and like AC, um, they include more than just dexterity as far as your abilities to dodge and... and get away from attacks in general um but there's not just the ac and you get hit if it goes over and you don't get hit if it goes under there's the there's like the spectrum on like if you go below this number you completely miss if you go between this number and this number you like hit but you hit their armor so it does Mm -hmm. less damage Mm -hmm. and then if you get above this number like you've cut you've cut into and you've done full damage i love that so it's just a process of pulling, you know, mm-hmm. that's the na- that that's the beauty of these role play these tabletop games mm-hmm. is you can pull whatever you want from anywhere. Yeah. I came up with something very similar to that in my campaign. I don't think it's ever procced on any of your guys's attacks. I think it's only procced on attacks against my dad and against the dad. Yeah. Um and then it was, I can't remember, I can't remember exactly what happened now, it's been a while, but I think the end result of it was, um, I fudged the roll, maybe, or, no, I think he just, I think he won the contested roll. So, the thing that I came up with was, if an attack roll meets exactly the AC. Um, you basically play rollies. Um, oh, gotcha. And the winner got something. And so, like, if the defender wins, then, like, they got to, like, push back the attack or, like, shove the attacker if they were within range or something. I have yeah. it written down. I have it written down in my campaign notes, but... Um, but if it, if the attacker won, then it was, then it was treated as a critical hit. 
Mm. Because so like thematically, if it meets the AC, you like the it's character like the like actively blocks it. Yeah, I called it blade lock, as if mm. like you like you lock swords, and then like somebody makes a move, and like the defender would counterattack quickly if they won rollies, or uh, the attacker would outmaneuver the defender and get an automatic critical or something. Yeah. But but it's never been procced by any of you guys, so you guys haven't had the wonders of that yet. Yeah, I mean, but stuff like that is like, the rare times that it does happen, it makes it a cool, you know, mm-hmm. makes it a cool experience. Yeah. So. And my hope is that when it does happen, it's like thematic and tense and cool. Yeah. Not, not just a way to just do more damage. Um, but like stuff like that is like, it doesn't take a ton to put it in. Mm-hmm. Dungeon coach is infamous for like, here's the thing that like is okay. And I'm just going to add like 10 layers to it, <laughs> which isn't, which isn't a problem. I like a lot of the stuff that he's done. I, I, I agree with a lot of stuff he's done. Some of the stuff with the shield and all that. He is stuff that he mentioned. Um, as well. Um, it was really cool. He sat down with a Pathfinder GM and they talked about some of their favorite like rules and some of the big differences between some of the D and D rules and some of the Pathfinder rules, um, which I thought was cool, but little, little things like that, just to get the best of both worlds and really personalize the personalize the game with what my vision of it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, Brian, we've been recording for an hour and 45 minutes. Yes, we have. I I don't have anything else to add on video games. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I've gotten to the age now already that I'm like pretty pleased with just playing the same, some same game that I've played in the past over again. Mm. Just for the nostalgia. Yeah. So you don't have like a... A log of games that you're you have intention not, to play. Not at all. Not at all. Zero. Nope. Wow. So I like when most wow. games come out right now, I fully acknowledge like that's a really cool game. I'm probably not gonna play it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So my um, wife bought me near Replicant for Christmas. Oh, the prequel yeah. to Near Automata. Um, and so I do intend to play that after Elden Ring and probably maybe Witcher. I might play it before Witcher. I don't know. Um, and then whenever Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two comes out, that's that's a definite play for me. Yeah. Well, there's the odd. I mean, we all have like the one or two. Yeah. Like when the next Mass Effect comes out, like uh, that'll be one for me. When the next when the next uh, uh, Elder Scrolls or when the next Fallout game comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll probably play the next GTA. Um, <laughs> never played a GTA game. Uh, that was... Probably never will. That's a, That was a big part of my childhood. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Playing, playing Vice City. In Vice City, you had to, like... I think you had to get enough money to, like, pay back a big like debt that you had. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to finish the game. Either I didn't know how to finish the game 
or I already did and I didn't know it. <laughs> but you get to this part where you have a bunch of these businesses and basically you're just collecting money mm-hmm. on a regular basis from all these businesses. You just go around town. Wow. And I kept doing that and I was like, what happens next? <laughs> like, I have like a billion dollars. <laughs> like, what do I do now? And I was young and I just didn't understand. And it very well could have been like I had already finished the game. Um, and I had already done the last mission, so now I was just... The only reason it put me back in was in case I had any other side missions to do. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. <laughs> so, um, other than that, yeah, a big part of my childhood. I remember playing almost all of them. And they're all good for the same reasons, and they're all bad for the same reasons. So. Right, right. But, yeah, that's all. that's all I've got. Well, what a fun time we've had. Do you want to do a quick um, homebrew corner? Homebrew corner. Ah, that one felt great. Ah, man. So, my man Glick leveled up. Big level six. I like Um, it. Since he's a rogue, he's got a D8 hit die, and he rolled an eight on Ooh, his hit points. That's and, oh, mm, that feels so good to roll max hit points, especially yeah, on like... a squishier character like a rogue. Oh, that's like the you know the term like the best of days and the worst of days. Like that is the best of days. Mm, it is. It really is. Yeah, because it's permanent. It's a permanent effect on your character. Mm-hmm. That roll, you know, I've rolled hit points for my character that, like, you roll a two on your character. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. when during one of the things, and that's that's effectively like if you roll a two every time, I would have taken them eight levels to get to that point. Yeah, don't do the math for that. I didn't do that correctly, but nope. Uh, it just feels it feels hecka good. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, like, super good to roll an eight, to roll max hit points. Um, So what's, oh, man, what's, he's got 55 hit points at level six. That's actually not terrible for a rogue. No, it's not. Um, What's his AC looking like? His AC is a big old 14. Again, not the worst. Not the worst, not the worst. Not the worst. I like to have my AC up um, 15 to 17 if I can get it. Yeah. Um, I actually don't think I've ever had AC that high. I don't think I've ever had Because you've never played a Paladin. AC. That's false. I am currently playing a Paladin in your campaign. I refuse to play a heavy armored character. Got it. Got it. Uh, I have enough weeboo in me that I I just I'm always about, <laughs> I'm, I'm all about what? that anime robes aesthetic. I I can't. Did I use that word right? I have no idea. Oh, okay. I I'm still wildly uh, off put by it. <laughs> so thank you for that. Good. Uh, at least you felt um, something. 
Wow. Yeah, I just right. prefer the look of light armor. Wow. So, that's yeah. Vein of interesting. Me. The and only yet thing not in... Munchkiny of me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So since we've been talking about Skyrim throughout the episode, mm-hmm. the only thing that I've not been able to get myself to do ever in Skyrim is to do like a light armor path. Really? Because you can do yeah. Because you can. The three ways you can usually go is like either no armor and you just do armor by magic. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do light armor. And it just weighs less and you're more mobile. Or you can do heavy armor and mm-hmm. it obviously has more armor. Right. I've never been able to get myself to go the light armor route. You're always a big tanky boy. If I, yeah, it's either it's either all or nothing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay. I respect so, that. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> um. So at level six, rogues get... Um, uh, they get a feature called expertise, where uh, they get to they get to add double their proficiency bonus to a skill that they are already proficient in. Um, so you got the list of so you have your proficiency bonus, which is just like a flat bonus that indicates that you're good at something. Um, whether it be skills or using a specific weapon or type of weapons. Um, when you're proficient in it, you get this proficiency bonus that you get to add to rolls made for that thing. So expertise gives you double your proficiency bonus, which is a really big deal when you do the math. Um, on your skill checks. Yeah. And he, so he's been working with his awakening magical, like psionic psychic powers. Yeah. Um, so he has become an expert in, um, arcana. Okay. Nice. And, and, uh, he already had persuasion and sleight of hand, but I uh, accidentally took three expertise things the last time I got expertise. Um, two skills and the thieves' tools, so I only took one oh, yeah, yeah. expertise. Yeah. So so now he's technically an expert with thieves' tools, arcana checks, meaning checks to determine if something is magical and maybe what type of magic it is uh sure maybe depending on your dm my dm (laughs) typically just lets me see if something is magical that's a that's a whole different conversation for another day all right i misspoke um and then persuasion because he's he's a merchant and sleight of hand because he's a little bit of a shifty merchant a little shifty one yeah Little shifty eyes? Uh, no, not shifty eyes. He's kind of charismatic, so um, gotcha. keeps it. He keeps it well under the un, uh, under yeah, the face. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I like it. Hides it under that red dwarven beard. There we go. I like it. So next level. I I'm feel excited like for. 
really excited. I feel like ex expertise, like for the classes like bard and rogue, like expertise is really one of the areas where they get to just show in game their kind of hyper um, focus in some of the you know in some of these areas, mm-hmm. or their and or their consistency. Yes. Yes. So, um, it's, so like mechanically, game mechanically, it's consistency. Yeah. Um, narratively or thematically, it's their their high level of training, or you know their gift at like in Glick's case, the gift for this magical ability. He can kind of maybe when he does an Arcana check, he just kind of like focuses and uses his psychic powers to see if something resonates with that or something. Yeah. Um, and I like some of the, some of these like hyper classes in some of these uh, fields have things like that, where at a certain level, like the barbarian, if he ever rolls, you know, under X amount in athletics or in strength checks, like they're still he like, Basically, at some point in time, like he will never be able to roll under a ten or something like that. Yeah, the, uh, the rogues get that also. And, and I think bonus. having that, having that plus your proficient plus your bonuses in later levels, it shows that consistency because that turns into sometimes you can literally never get below a twenty. Yeah, you know, in in extreme cases, right? If you're if you have expertise in something, plus a really high score for that skill, anyway. I've seen um, modifiers, which you add to the thing that you rolled on the dice. Um, be, you know, fifteen or sixteen. So if you can't yeah. roll lower than a 10, the lowest thing you can roll is a 25, which is yeah. absurd. But that shows like you're you're talking about you like to feel powerful. Yeah. Like oh, that's yeah, a yeah, yeah. that's a that's a great, you know, think about think of a rogue with stealth or mm-hmm. a rogue with like lock picking or pickpocketing. Yeah, yeah. Like what a cool like what a what a natural way for it to just like yeah, with normal stuff he is com- super confident with yeah. it. Checks don't checks don't need to be made because you can't uh, raw raw rules. You can't critically fail uh, ability checks. Uh-huh. Um, so rolling a one doesn't matter. So there's no reason to roll in the first place. Uh-huh. So most of the time, at that point in time, you're just going to be succeeding, picking locks, pickpocketing normal commoners, doing all these things like stealthing past. Like if you're just in a city, like it is second nature to you. Um, right. and I, I like, I like that. I think that's super cool. And like for the barbarian, yeah. Like some things like it just, it's useless to even try to have them do a check. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I think that's a cool way for that to come up in game. Yeah. Um, can I, can I, can I talk about the arcana thing real quick? Ah, uh, go for it. I shouldn't have opened my mouth. Uh, so on a technical basis, if, the the spell the spells detect magic and identify those are their those are their purposes yes so 
making our con- like letting our Kana checks be used for those purposes completely takes away like the the like balancing of having somebody that is a spellcaster and has access to those spells um and having that be the like the barrier of entry mm-hmm. to being able to do those things mm-hmm. the arcana check and I, I i don't have my book i i don't have my book with me but it's like on a raw basis arcana checks are usually like intelligence based checks based on like arcane like arcane things so like seeing like a rune like a rune or a symbol that might be like an arcana check similar to like a history check mm-hmm. right, so i see i see yes um, so this is what i was this is more what i was um alluding to it was like if glick saw a rune or a glyph or something and rolled high enough on an arcana check would he be able to tell if it would if it would explode or if it would or if it's just there to to like shed light or something like would he be able to tell the difference between those things yeah and i mean like um, as far as um I don't know, and I and I have a super harsh like view of of Arcana checks compared to some people because a lot of DMs do allow like that that stuff, mm-hmm. um, but it like it would be like oh he understands the rune, and because he understands the rune he he knows what it like he knows mm-hmm. what it does right right um, kind of thing or because of the like because of the inscription on the magical item he knows. Like, he knows what it does, he knows its history, he knows its origin, Mm -hmm. he knows who created the magical item. Like, that's why I said it's kind of similar to history checks, but in kind of the magical field. Right, right, right. Um, But, uh, but yeah. And I actually feel like Arcana is one of, like, the, is, like, a skill that I don't ask for enough. Mm -hmm. And I would love to put more situations in, in the future, where, like, Arcana checks come up. Mm -hmm. Or, like... Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like Arcana checks, nature checks, and animal animal handling checks <laughs> are like three three skills that I don't ask for. A right, right. Even though they're all dope. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're like they're so, all cool. They're super cool in their own niche for sure. But yeah. Yeah. When I said Arcana checks could let you see what kind of magic a thing is, I didn't mean like, uh, oh, I rolled a twenty, so I know everything about this thing but like um like ah glick found this thing and it's probably gonna blow up if he touches it so he yeah he knows not to touch it he knows not to poke it yeah yeah um no and it sounds like it sounds like we're on the we're on the same page and i mean amongst the minutiae of all the different rules i mean D &D is a simple game compared to option others but it is Mm -hmm. not it is not a thin game by any right, means. So right. there's always there's always going to be stuff that that comes up. Um, cool, I like it. I like the I like that he's starting to get rounded out, and there's some of these things that he's really starting to like. We were saying like getting consistent in. Mm-hmm. He's starting to explore um, 
stuff. Did I did I talk about kind of the level ranges and like what that's meaning for him? Um, in yeah, the last I think episode, we, I think we did talk about it. That we're we're in tier two. We've broken into tier two gameplay, so um, things are getting higher stakes. Adventures are getting wider, uh, broader ranges across, um, like maybe countrysides instead of just townships. Things along yeah, so that I, nature. I don't know what page it's on, but the uh, the whole thing of like the levels of players and what they like what they mean. Um, I actually would love to find it if it comes up like really quickly for me as I'm going through these first couple pages. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, you never you never know. Um, I'm going to go through a couple of these. Tracking play style. Yeah, okay. So level one through four is the local heroes. Um, and it says the fate of a village might hang on the success or failure. Um, haunted crypts. Uh, they fight orcs, wolves, spiders, cultists, ghouls, thugs. And then we are now on level 5 to 10, so we are now Heroes of the Realm. Um, and so people learn uh, third level spells. People that are magical can now fly, which is terrifying. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> you mispronounced and... that word. It's pronounced awesome. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um and then it says the fate of a region might depend on the adventures. On the adventurers, uh, they go into wilds, ancient ruins. They fight giants, hydras, golems, yontai. Did I say that right? I have no idea. All right. Yes. Devils, demons, mind flayers, assassins. They might defeat a young dragon. Oh, jeez. Hey, um, don't do that to me. <laughs> don't do that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so that's, that's where, that's where he's like dipping into now. Maybe, you know, maybe that little town that he started in, um, with that first adventure where he got caught up trying to save that little kid, maybe he defeated the rest of the, uh, Koatoa, um, in that, in that village, went through that whole thing and saved that village. And maybe now that kingdom is is looking for some extra, you know, extra help, and he's kind of gone up the playing field a little bit. Um, yeah. Thematically, in whatever, you know, whatever direction that he's going. Maybe he's yeah. on the other side of the law. Maybe he's still kind of keeping to his own. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it's it's a unique experience <clears throat> to be building a character without a story to like to drive the character part like the mechanics are falling in place just fine and and I could come up with reasons why the mechanics are showing up the way the way they are but it's diff it's it's kind of weird that like there's no there's no NPCs that he's interacted with regularly he, he doesn't have a party that he's a part of um, and like filling, you know, everybody wants to fill in whatever gaps are are present. Right. Right. So I don't um, know. Like 
theoretically he does he is part of a adventuring group at this point um especially if he's being called on by like kingdoms and realms at this point um, yeah he's probably got a buddy or two at least to help cover him and and who have different um different skill sets and and uh, abilities yeah cuz so i mean perf- like preferably you know so by this time more and more character build decisions are being made from the like being affected by the story and you're like this happened and i know that we're going to go up against this and i want to prepare for that and so that's what my character is going to train for yeah um and so we're or or they see like this is the environment that i'm in and just from the amount of time that we're in here maybe i you know i mean that's a ranger thing as far as getting comfortable in in different types of terrain but those Mm -hmm. those type of things and then you're getting you're getting items and, and you have the other characters with you and uh items that can potentially also kind of affect your build so um, yeah, there's there's a lot that does fall into place just from the adventure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, all right. So, today's little adventure hook. I'm leaving it super broad again because it, it's it feels a little bit more natural to me, but maybe that's also just me making excuses. <laughs> I'm an I'm an imperfect person. Uh, so in my in my world, the northern, the northmost continent is the icy tundra of Villon. I did not say it out loud for the longest time until one of my players asked me why Villain was at the <laughs> top of the globe. So I am committing to it, though, and that's what I have. Um, Villion. Icy, icy tundra of Villion. Villion. Um, interesting thing about this one is they, the, in the entirety of the country, it's very sparsely populated. So if you can get away with it, then you can get away with it. But if you're seen conducting magic in Villion, you're not going to have a good time. Uh-oh. They don't like the magics there. So... Um, this encounter is taking place. Tundra, you guys got to get from point A to point B, and this is maybe set up as a random encounter, all and slash or a tie-in towards maybe a a, a beast, uh, something that needs to be slayed later on, a more powerful thing. Um, and also conditions matter. So, point A to point B, they need to get somewhere. It's an icy tundra. And it's kind of a travel setup. And so maybe every couple nights they're rolling. They need to, you know, they need to handle things in whatever level of survival that you've put into the game. Um, Maybe a blizzard comes up. And then at some point they hear just this screech um, in the air. And during the blizzard, there's just this shadow that's overhead. They can't get any clear details winds are blowing snow is just flurrying all around them 
and all of a sudden just kind of crashing onto the rocks and rubble just kind of falling on top of them. Um, they see this, this horrifying sight of a foreshadowing. Oh, no. Young white dragon. Hey. Um, being ridden by, uh, what is it? By a frost giant. What? <laughs> um, and you just, you see this uh, thing. Maybe they don't, and I would probably set it up because those two things together are too powerful for the party. That's a level, yeah, that's a, a frost giant is a level eight and a young white dragon is a level six. Um, so maybe they like spot it and they're like, what the heck? Like, was that a, gi- like, was that a giant riding a dragon <laughs> kind of thing? And then maybe it comes up a couple, like a session or two later. Um, the lore behind it is basically, uh, and it's, it's right there in the suggested in the monster manual that frost white dragons will usually submit themselves to folks that beat them in battle or can be found having submitted themselves and frost giants will sometimes go and challenge a frost, uh, uh, a white dragon or a dragon to get a higher standing in their clan. Um, and so thus you got a frost giant riding a dragon. Flip. Um, so you see them, maybe they don't attack right then and there. They don't even notice them. They just land Maybe the ice giant says something. Maybe the ice giant, I'm sorry, the, maybe the frost giant is looking for something, not having anything to do with the party. So maybe the party just spots them actively, like searching the land for something. Um, it'd be especially cool if, like, if you know, trying to connect it back to the players, if you know the characters know um, a language. Um, so, like, if one of the players know a giant as a, as a language. That's an awesome way to make that feel super useful because mm-hmm. um, it comes down. Maybe the giant says something about like, I can't find it here. Uh, let's move on to the next place. And yeah. then they just, they head off. Um, and then the point is, is that later on, maybe it can be a longer kind of adventure hook where eventually both of them are, are taken down. But at some point they find the dragon without the frost giant or confront the dragon without the frost giant. And the dragon is a level six uh, difficulty. Um, And you guys have something that a party of level six adventurers could reasonably take on and, and hope to beat. Yeah. Theoretically, there's a lot of issues with, I mean, we've talked about that already. There's a lot of issues with combat uh, or difficulty rating. Um, But um, the dragon and maybe there's, you know, there's just some minions that are just part of it. Maybe inherently as the dragon is attacking, uh, maybe some ice wolves, you know, just get involved as well, you know, from the, from the tundra, um, just to have some minions in there. Cause having, adding minions to it will have a much greater effect on difficulty than just the, you know, the stats of the single white dragon. Right. So. That's kind of the general concept. I don't have anything specific. They see the two together. That's a terrifying sight. Hopefully, like, giving, you know, and you're building on the thing of the, of the importance of, like, let's try to catch them separated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then if you can, 
you know, you, you take care of the dragon first and then that way the frost giant, who's maybe the leader of, of something. And then you can go take down the leader, um, by, you know, by himself, um, doing, doing his thing. So, um, that's, that's what I got. That's cool. I really like, so I really like Rangers and I really like, um, like tracking in, in like games and in D and D like, um, finding the trail or, um, or whatever, you know, like, or finding the trail and running the opposite way. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, um, like, uh, the, the, the dragon riding giant went that way. So I'm going to go exactly that way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, and screw whatever we were trying to do because there's a giant, there's a dragon riding giant that way. Well, maybe in like, maybe the, maybe it's far enough directions that like the ranger gets to be hyper-focused on like, okay, let's keep going where we're trying to go. But this whole time we're making sure that we're trying to make sure our, our paths do not cross. Yeah. Um, because our objective doesn't seem to line at like, they seem to be doing something different than what we're doing. So we can just avoid them. Um, and yeah, and that's the thing. Like I love like as a DM, if somebody like if if I give all that info, and the ranger in the party says like, "Oh, like I want to track them," or say they say anything like that, I'm gonna latch onto that uh-huh. for sure. I'm like, yeah. "Yes, absolutely!" Like you want to like let's we'll do a whole like tracking thing. We'll do like a group skill challenge. We'll see if your group like inhibits you, <laughs> um, and just from their like ineptitude, um, and. And we'll see if you can, like, make your way through this, like, terrible environment to be able to track to, to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, and also keep the party safe to try to do it at a time when the Frost Giant is away. You know, stuff like that. Like, right. any any comment that they would make, about like, heck yeah, dude. Like, let this be a shining moment for your character's values. Yeah. And your character's skills. Definitely. So, also, the and, Blizzard thing is so cool to me. Yeah, and there's the I think the dungeon coach talked about it a little bit, but having like, you know, there can be there can be bigger effects with like the blizzard, and making sure the players are aware of it ahead of time, on like what possible consequences are. But the players know in general that it's not good to be in the blizzard. Yeah, and there's going to be bad effects to it. Yeah. Um. But obviously, they you know these this dragon and giant would love nothing more than to fight in that kind of environment. Right. So, um, yeah, stuff like that. So that's kind of, I picture that as, I picture that as maybe like, that's kind of an arch. Like that's the beginning of maybe an arc. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, a whatever the play, whatever the players are trying to find, that's like the ever-present problem that by the end of the arc is going to also have to be taken care of kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what's uh, in my head. Do you ever fear that I'm going to bring one of these just into our games? 
Um, I don't know if fear is a strong word. Um, I mean, if anything, if you do, I I've already been exposed to it, and we kind of break them down. So, yeah, I don't think I'm afraid of it, but. Uh, Um, yeah, I mean, the balance of the game is set up such that a party of competent people can, can handle, um, a lot of various situations, so, um, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm afraid, but... Because, like, in this situation, if me and my party in your game ran into a dragon-riding giant, um, we would probably just turn around <laughs> and, <laughs> and walk away and just avoid it. Be like, well, this was great. <laughs> Go and tell the baker that uh, we could not find his daughter. Yep, sorry. Got <laughs> eaten by a dragon. Yeah, it's like, oh, this got a little bit too heated for us. We're gonna <laughs> You can keep your ten gold if we're just gonna yeah. we're just gonna head out. <laughs> keep your donuts, pal. Yeah, keep you're good. You're good, buddy. <laughs> That's funny. Well, sweet guys. Uh we've been recording for an exceedingly long time again. As always. As I fall into despair yet again. <laughs> but uh, uh thanks guys uh thanks next time listening. i don't i don't know what we're gonna be talking about next time we already changed up what today's topic was gonna be so who knows it's, it's excuse me i've been fighting that hiccup all night i finally got it out <laughs> there you go it's gonna be good we might review some books we might actually run one of these encounters Jordan's come up with who knows uh, not us so stay tuned and find out next time thanks guys <laughs>